And so we're just going to look at what the Word of God says. And I'm going to try to give you uh, the, the preaching and teaching that God gives me. I'm going to try to give it to you best I can. Uh, if you're in 1 Corinthians chapter number 14, say amen. amen. Let's begin reading tonight in verse number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 in verse number 1. The Bible said, Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. And he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. But he that prophesieth edifieth the church. I would that you all spake with tongues, but rather that you prophesied. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? Except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine. And even things without life, giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? So likewise ye, except ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak into the air. Let me just pause right there. We'll pick up in verse 10. Do you all see the importance that Paul is trying to make uh, concerning tongues? I'll explain why he's doing that. But he literally just now said to speak in tongues is literally nothing more than to blow hot air. That's what he said. Verse number 10. There are it may be so many kinds of voices in the world and none of them is without signification. Therefore if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, see that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. I want to pause again. In verse number 12, he said, Only thing you people in the church of Corinth are uh, excited about and seeking after is spiritual gifts. He said, But what good is that doing the church? We've already heard that tongues edifies man in 1 Corinthians 14, and preaching or prophesying edifies the church. Verse number 13, Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit. I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit. I will sing with the understanding also. Else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest? For thou verily givest thanks well, but the other is not edified. Look here. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than y'all. Yet in the church, 
Notice what he says. I'd rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also that than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Brethren, be not children in, in, in understanding. Howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. In the law it is written with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people and yet for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 22. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them, look here, that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in uh, those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that ye are mad? But if all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. How is it then, brethren, when you come together every Every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Look here now. He said, let all things be done unto edifying. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Let the prophets speak two or three, and and let the other judge, if anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. For ye may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn, and all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. We're almost done. Give me just a few more minutes. Let your women keep silence in the church churches for it is not permitted unto them to speak but they are commanded to be under obedience as also saith the law. Time out. Everybody talks. They, they'll run to that verse. Well, it says in the Bible, preacher women can't say amen, testify, sing, do nothing. They're supposed to keep silent. That's concerning the law. Do y'all see that? In the bottom part of the verse, look at verse 35. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. What? Uh, and it's Again, it's speaking of tongues here, by the way, in, in, anyhow. But uh, verse number 36, What came the word of God out from you or came it unto you only? If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Uh, we've read the entire chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 14 and this is where God has begun to deal with my heart 
I would say, I would dare say, even tonight, I'm looking at a room full of people uh, that just in our reading, you probably got questions. Just in our reading, uh, even though you've been taught and you've heard preaching against it and on it and whatever, uh, there's still probably questions in your heart and mind uh, concerning what we call in this day and hour uh, the charismatic movement. Uh, and that concerns all what we've just read about, gifts and tongues and prophecy and so on and so forth. So if I could tonight, uh, through the Word of God, God, of course, and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. I want to start a series and expose some of these things and enlighten you according to the Scriptures on this subject, the corruption of the charismatics. The corruption of the charismatics. Would you please pray with me and pray for me tonight. Father, we do love you. God, we thank you for the grand opportunity, Lord, to stand and God, to read the Word of God together. Lord, what a privilege uh, it is to hold the infallible and inspired perfect word of God in our hands here tonight I pray God that you'd allow me Lord to teach and uh, to preach through the word of God to Lord expose those uh, uh, false doctrines and doctrines of devils and heresies uh, and the corruption Lord that mankind uh, Lord has created because of the lack to study and rightly divide the word of truth God may we not just be Baptists may we be Bible believers. May God we fall in love with the truth. Lord, uh, you said not only will the truth set us free, but we'd be free indeed. So Lord, please help us for the next few weeks. And for what you do, we'll thank you and we'll praise you in Jesus' name and for His sake. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. You may be seated tonight. Quickly, by way of introduction, I want to say it is here where the Apostle Paul has begun to address the church at Corinth. Uh, can I say, before you can ever understand the context of the Scripture, I've, I've preached this from day one. You need to know three things when you're reading your Bible. Number one, you need to know who the author is. Who is writing? In this instance, it is the Apostle Paul. Uh, Paul is writing. The second thing you need to know is to whom is the author writing. And that in this instance would be the church of Corinth. Uh, Paul has begun writing letters to the church that's been established at Corinth. And then thirdly, you need to know what is the occasion or what is going on. In this particular chapter, what's going on is Paul, uh, all throughout the book actually, of first in 2 Corinthians when Paul writes the letters you find that there's great division among this church. May I say most of the division is not just physical matters but it is spiritual issues. It is doctrine. It is one side of the church saying yes to something and the other side of the church saying no to something. It is one side of the church saying I believe this and it is the other side of the church saying I believe that. We know this that a house that's divided against itself cannot stand. And so where did the division come from? Well the church at Corinth is a mixed multitude. What I mean by that is this. This church is not only made up of Gentile members but it is also made up of Jews and Jewish members. So you have both. You have both the Jew and the Gentile as the body in the church at Corinth. Now may I say before we go any further 
earth. That in itself is very divisive. For we've already read that Jews require a sign, but Gentiles seek after wisdom. What is wisdom? Well, wisdom is the Word of God. May I say the reason that Jesus came and performed miracles and did all that He did in His earthly ministry, which was three and a half years, was to win the Jews. How many of y'all remember this? That salvation come to the Jew first, then to the Gentile or the Greek. Why did were we second in line, if you will? Well, because Jews... Uh, and the nation of Israel is God's chosen people. And they're still the apple of the eye of God. But my friend, when the Jews rejected Him and the Jews blasphemed Him and the Jews said, look, you're not who you say you are. You claim to be the Messiah. But me, you, and everybody else knows that you're just a false prophet or a good prophet. But you're not the Son of God. And when God seen His nation... His bride, if you will, uh, reject the Son and the love that He shed abroad on the whole world. He said, all right, if you already reject Him, there's a bunch of Gentile dogs uh, that are laying under a table and the only thing they're getting is what crumbs fall. And so if you won't accept Him, I know a bunch that will. May I say, we ought to take about 45 minutes and shout that the God of heaven would take time out of it eternity and I love you and I enough that he didn't graft us into the family of God I bless the Lord that he seen somebody down on the portals through the portals of time a bunch of Gentiles like me and you living in the last Laodicean church days and would love us enough that he led us into the bride of Christ bless his name that's how we got in so now Paul, boy, he's got his work cut out for him. Paul's dealing with a bunch of, thank God for grace, like me and you. And he's also got a whole church full of Judaizers. Come on, somebody. You don't got to be a brain surgeon to know what Judaizers are, who they are. They're keepers of the law. They love the law. They keep the law. They keep the traditions. They keep all those things. But when Jesus came, He came to exclude mankind from having to do all those things. Now, am I saying that there's a, there was anything wrong with all? No, that's the way God ordained it before. But when the Lamb of God came, everything changed. May I say as Jews in that Old Testament, my friend, it was faith and works both. They'd have to work and uh, may I say they'd go to the temple and uh, they'd sacrifice for their own sin but it can never be paid for. That's why they'd go back year after year after year after year uh, but John said in John chapter number 1 verse number 29 behold uh, first time you ever find it behold the lamb. Uh, you'll find a lamb in Genesis 22. Somebody ought to help me right here. Uh, when Isaac is offered on Mount Moriah as a type and a picture of the Lamb of God what's to come. When Isaac asked Abraham, Daddy, where is the Lamb? Y'all remember what Abraham said? He said, Son, God will provide Himself a Lamb. He was not speaking of the offering and the sacrifice that day. Hallelujah! I believe Abraham looked down the portals of glory and God showed him that one day the 
Lamb, John 1 29. Hallelujah. Would make his way from glory and would die once and for all. See him. And so now Paul is dealing with both the Judaizer, the Jews, and the Gentiles. My friend, there's great division because of the makeup of his church. Can I tell you why doctrines... Oh, listen, I, I've, you've heard me say this throughout the years. Doctrine does not divide. It unifies. You want to know why we're all together here tonight? You want to know why we're in the same church and y'all are amen and me and we're singing together and we cry together? I mean, altars were filled on Sunday. Tears were everywhere on Sunday. I mean, we had a special day in the Lord. You want to know what brought all that to pass? It was doctrine. It was the doctrine that you believed in your heart that the Lord Jesus came and was born of a virgin and lived a perfect sinless life. He died on the criminal's cross. He bowed his head and said it is finished. And he yielded his spirit he gave up the ghost uh, but three days later the son of God resurrected from the dead and he was seen among men he was seen among witnesses and he said I've got to go away but I will come again that where I am there you may be also and he said don't worry about it I'm leaving but I'll send you another comforter thank God for the Holy Ghost uh, my friend that lives on the inside that my friend and dwells in the temple my though by the way the temple is not a temple no longer that is made with bricks and rocks and mortar but our body is the temple of Christ that's why the Bible said that to present your body a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service I'm trying to tell you tonight that if you do not rightly divide and understand your Bible not just for what it says but to whom it says what it says you're missing out in the Christian life so many people are pursuing the joy that only comes from Jesus are y'all with me I feel good tonight boys I mean I'm preaching I feel good about it I do. When you get to bragging on him, y'all try it sometime. You get talked about him, he likes it. And the Holy Ghost that lives in you is doing backflips in my soul because he's agreeing with everything I'm saying. It's right. It's the blood that cleansed us. It's grace and nothing more. That's how we got in tonight. I say we don't have to add to. We don't have to beautify. We don't have to doll it up and put diamonds on the gospel. I got enough when I got him. I don't have to have some certain gift to enjoy being a Christian. Why in the world would you desire a gift when you have God? Hallelujah. I don't have to speak in jibber jabbers to say I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. You hear me and hear me well, neighbor. When I believe that gospel and I called on Jesus and repented of my sin and trusted Christ as my Savior, the good God of glory, entered into my soul and He separated my soul from my flesh. Hallelujah. We got it all when we got saved. I'm not looking for a sign or some supernatural language to come out of my mouth to prove that I have been filled with the Holy Ghost. 
I don't believe there's a second feeling. I believe you get all of God when you get saved. The problem, we talk about the spirit-filled life and the anointing of God. And I mean, I know it. I, I, I'm going to be the first to admit I preached in the power before. I feel like I am tonight. And there's been times I stood here and preached all by myself. It ain't because God took a vacation. It ain't that we get more of God. That's not the anointing. It's that God gets more of you. Come on, somebody. I mean, they literally do not believe the charismatics. They do not believe that you are saved until you show a sign. And that sign is to speak in an unknown tongue. But that's not the gospel. The gospel says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if I could tonight, I want to expose the corruption of the charismatics. Because why would you take time to do that? Well, a few reasons. Number one, if you don't know the truth, you can get sucked into the lies. That's one reason. Number two, did you know it is the job of the pastor to establish doctrine? Come on, somebody. I mean, I know we come in and, and shout, run, cry, but God has given me an order, and it's my job as the overseer of the living church of the living God uh, to establish doctrine in the hearts and minds of the body of Christ at Stillwater Baptist Church. That's my job, to establish doctrine. And so we're going to start tonight with what I feel to be probably the biggest of all the corruption. May I say tonight that, <coughs> excuse me, because of the presence of the mixed multitude here in 1 Corinthians 14, stay with me, because there's a mixed multitude in this church of both Jews and Gentiles who were assembling together because of all the different doctrines. We read it. I should have wrote it down. Look at verse 26 with me quickly. 1 Corinthians 14, 26, Paul's writing. He said, How is it then, brethren, when you came together every Every one of you hath a song, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Then he goes on to say, let all things be done unto edifying. If any man speak an unknown tongue, let be two, three, so on and so forth. May I say, look down verse number 33. He goes on to say, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace in all churches of the saints. You know what Paul is saying? He said, my God, ain't no wonder this church ain't growing. Ain't no wonder we're not accompanying uh, the sweet presence of the Lord. Uh, my friend, he said, everybody in here has a different song. Everybody in here has a different interpretation. Everybody in here believes a different doctrine. He said, that's when he goes down to verse 33. And he said, hey, y'all, God is not the author of confusion, but it's the author of peace uh, in all churches. May I say, my friend, uh, if we've ever seen a confusion, generation we're seeing it today uh, my friend confusion is rampant and raging in society uh, my friend uh, uh, but my friend not only is confusion in the heart of society it's in the heart of our sanctuaries 
I need about 15 of you to get on board with me tonight. If you'll listen, you've got to hear shouting that you know the truth. I mean, this world's confused out of their mind. But sadly enough, so is the church. What brings about confusion? I'm going to tell you what brings confusion about. My friend, it is corruption and conflict within the church. That's how you get confused. Through and by corrupt doctrine. Can I say, my friend, the Bible still says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 15, I quote it all the time, Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman need not be ashamed. Rightly, look here now, rightly dividing the word of truth. Can I say when Christians or professing Christians fail, my friend, to rightly divide, it not only leads to confusion and conflict, but to end result is corruption. You want to talk about making a good church go bad. Let false doctrine get in and spread in the hearts of the people. I said it just a couple weeks ago. You can go get you a bag of fresh picked apples. I mean they're juicy and sweet. and Man they're so good to look at. So good to eat. But go outside the one that's been sitting on the park for about a month. That's eat up with mold and rotten. And you throw it in the bag with the good ones. There's 20 good ones and one bad one. And you go back about three days. And see if that thing ain't spread. And them good ones have started going bad. That's why the word of God said that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I'm not establishing doctrine to prove that we know everything. I'm not establishing doctrine to put some kind of chip on my shoulder or on yours. I'm establishing doctrine so we can identify when the devil tries to slip in the cracks and corrupt the good seed of the word of God. That's why you establish doctrine. It's to keep the good favor of God good. That's what it is. So, I mean, when you preach on doctrine, man, it hair lips a lot of people. I'm talking about church people. I'm talking about the world. I'm talking about church people. Because, because here's what truth does. Biblical doctrine and truth, it eliminates your ideology. It exterminates your theology. Help me somebody. And it will extinguish your philosophy. That doctrine, the Bible said, let God be true and every man alive. Doctrine does not divide, it unifies. You know what divides? Corruption. Paul just said it in verse 26. He said, how is it then? In other words, redneck vernacular. How in the world do we ever get to the place he said, when ye come together, he's speaking of the church. When you all meet together and have church, how is it when you come together, every one of y'all has a different song? Every one of y'all has a different doctrine. Every one of you people have a different tongue or a different revelation or, a, or, you, or you just can't agree on the interpretation. He said, let all things be done unto edifying. You know what else truth and biblical doctrine does? It edifies. It edifies, exhorts, and lifts up none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. But hear me, it will lift up, edify, and exhort the saints of God. Doctrine will lift you. Why? Because it lets you know where you was, what you was, but where you are and where you're going. Amen. I'm not the same as I used to be. 
There's old song that talks about uh, but what you see on the outside if you can see the inside instead uh, what you'd find is I'm a brand new man and the old man is dead. I'm trying to tell you tonight thank God for truth and doctrine. Now why we could shout till the trumpet sounds about how good Bible truth and doctrine is we must also understand there is such a thing as heresy and corruption. And it is our job to be able to identify that, not according to our opinion, not according to what our preachers told us, but according to what the Bible says. I've said this for years. You can take that Bible and make it teach anything you want it to. That's what they do. See, they'd go right here where Paul, you understand the context, Paul is speaking of tongues and you know a lot of tongue talkers, this is where they go to prove they can speak in tongues. But if you read what we just read, the context, Paul's trying to eliminate and extinguish it from the church. It ain't to say here, y'all have at it. He's saying, stop all this mess. That was then under the law. We're no longer under the law. We're not seeking signs. We don't have apostolic gifts. We've got a Savior. That's what Paul is preaching to the church at Corinth. May I say you charismatics of today would really boil down to a few number, a few number of different denominations, one being church of God. Now you better hear me. Don't go out of here and say, Brother Josh said everybody's church of God's lost going to hell. I didn't say that. There's a bunch of them that are, but there's a bunch of them that's going to be right beside you in heaven. I'm not a Baptist brider. Y'all know what that is? There's men that believe that only Baptists, the only people going to heaven is Baptists. Now, if you think the only people getting in the kingdom of God and spending eternity in New Jerusalem is Baptists, you need to sue your brain for non-support. We're not the only ones going. But just because there's good saved people and these denominations does not mean their doctrine is correct. They're not. And the church of God, Pentecostal holiness, right here is a big one. The apostolics. Church of Christ. They're all different denominations. You know where denom denominations originated from? False doctrine. That's where it came from. That's where it came from. So, if the Lord will help me, I want to begin preaching tonight a series, and it's going to take me a while, so just get used to it, on the corruption of charismatics. If I could tonight, I want to expose and educate you, the people of God, to some of this corruption, heresy, false doctrine, and then give you the truth and challenge you to study and rightly divide the word of truth. Walk in the truth that you may approve yourselves unto God. Psalmist David said it like this in Psalms 33, 4. For the word of the Lord is right. Somebody say amen. amen. And all his works are done in truth. David also said, teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Can I say we also find verses like this in John 4, 24. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. John 8, 32. And ye shall know the truth. I love this. And the truth shall make you free. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way 
way. I am the truth and I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 17, 17 said, Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. Paul speaking to another church, the church of Galatia, said in Galatians chapter 3 verse number 1, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you. Ephesians 6.14 Speaking of the armor of God, it starts like this. Stand therefore, having your lawns girt about with the truth. Uh, Paul tells Timothy uh, uh, when he's writing to the young pastor in 2 Timothy 4.4 He said, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. My friend, truth is under attack in these last days. And so if God help me, I want to indoctrinate the hearts and minds of God's people in the truth. What the Word of God said. Number one, first corruption of the charismatics we're going to look at. And this is as far as we'll go tonight. Number one is the indoctrination of temporary salvation. The indoctrination of temporary salvation. You know what? Those who, <coughs> excuse me, who walk in this, uh, in the charismatic realm, you know they believe that you can get saved and get lost. And then you have to get saved again. Then you get lost. Then you have to get saved again. If you fall short, backslide, get out of the will of God, then you're lost. May I say, somebody ought to shout, hallelujah, oh me, throw a flip-flop, slap your neighbor, do something, that when God saves you, He seals you unto the day of redemption. They'll label us as easy believism uh, that anybody can get in, then you can go live how you want. That is not what the Word of God says at all. It's not what it says at all. Fact is, we believe this heavily around here. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. But you better hear me. That's the inward man. That's the spirit man that's made new. I'll prove it to you from the Word of God. This old flesh will still fall short daily. But my flesh ain't what got saved. Hallelujah. It's my spirit, my soul that got born again. Jesus, Nicodemus come through the middle of the night. He didn't want to be seen by nobody, but he's under conviction. Lord, I need to be saved. What do I got to do to be saved? He said, Nicodemus, if you want to be saved, you got to get born again. He said, how in the world is that possible? Am I going to return to my mother's womb? Jesus said, no, dummy. There's two births. There's a natural birth and a spiritual birth. One's birth, your birth by water, and the next one's by blood. May I say hallelujah. I've got a birth by water, but neighbor, i got a birth through the blood of the Lord Jesus. Somebody ought to thank God that you're being born again. We don't have to worry about losing what God has done on the inside. We couldn't create the new man. We can't uncreate the new man. Let me ask y'all something. How many people you know had a baby born, a baby's been born then somewhere down the road something happened and they just unborn, unbirthed. You can't undo a birth. Are you with me? <coughs> Excuse me. Has anybody ever seen a birth reversed? 
So what in the world makes you think when God births you in the family of God that you can reverse a birth? It's indoctrination, but it's false indoctrination. And they teach temporary salvation. You know how you get temporary salvation? You get it works salvation. The indoctrination of temporary salvation was established upon the basis of works. Talk to any of them. They don't deny that. Why do you believe you can lose salvation? Well, because the Bible says if your works uh, uh, be of this or that, uh, that they'll be burned up. Yeah, it does say that. But you go on down reading it said your works will be burned up, but you'll be saved so as by fire. That means you can be saved in your whole life. All your works burn up, but your soul is hell proof according to the Word of God. I bless the Lord for that, man. I'd hate to go, I'd hate to lay my head down every night thinking I had a chance to lose salvation. That's a miserable life. And they're working themselves to death. And you know what the sad part is? When they're working to be saved, guess what they're not, who they're not working for? They're not working for Christ. They're working for them because they're trying to reserve their mailbox on the golden streets of glory. My friend, if they ever just get past their works and realize the only work that gets a man saved is the work of the Son of God on a hill called Calvary when He died and He stood in the gap between heaven and hell. It's not by my works tonight. Everybody knows this. The Bible said, For by grace are you saved. Through faith. You know what two requirements are involved for a man, a Gentile, to be born again? Grace and faith. Amen. Faith and repentance. Faith in Christ to draw towards Him. And faith in Christ to turn and burn that old man that you used to live in and let control you. It's faith and repentance towards God. That's what salvation is. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. If it's by our works, why did Jesus ever hang on a cross? If it's up to us to get it and gain it and lose it, He should have never came. Literally, it undoes the sacrifice for sin when you believe works salvation. I say one of the biggest areas of corruption in that charismatic movement is the doctrine that you can fall from grace and you can lose your salvation. But I want to enlighten you and educate you tonight according to the Word of God from within the pages of the Word of God that it is absolutely 100% impossible to lose your salvation. I'm going to go several places. This is where we're going to probably gear down. And if you're taking notes, and by the way, I see many of you doing that on Wednesday nights. If I could encourage you over the next couple of weeks to bring a notebook and a pen, a piece of paper, whatever you got, I think this will greatly help you in your walk with Christ to take notes during this because I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures about a lot of things. So first, we're going to go back and forth. I'm probably going to do some backtracking. i got to hurry. i ain't got time to get through all this. Probably not even finish the first point tonight. But the first place I want to look at uh, tonight is the book of Ephesians. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 1. The corruption of the charismatics. Number 1, we see one of the corruptions is 
the indoctrination of temporary salvation. So what are we going to do with that? How do you undo that corruption? You've got to accept the truth. It's the only way out. And uh, I'm recording this on the podcast. You know, my prayer, literally, my prayer is maybe, I, I, it amazes me the people listen to that thing. I, I hear it everywhere I go. I, you just don't realize how it gets out there, I guess. But people listen to this stuff. And my prayer is right now, and I've never done this, not one time since I've been doing it. But right now as I'm preaching, not only that I help you, but somebody's going to come along that's tied up in this mess. And I pray to God that they get their Bible and see what the Word of God says about eternal security. You're saved. You're sealed. Ephesians. Let's look in chapter number 1. We're going to look at a few different places throughout this book uh, in the Bible. But first thing I want to read is Ephesians chapter number 1. And uh, really I could read it all but I'm not going to. Uh, Let's pick up in verse number 7. Ephesians 1 verse number 7. The Bible said in whom we have redemption looky here. Through His blood. Let's just stop right there. How does one get redeemed? I mean, this is plain English, folks. Through His blood. The forgiveness of sins. Look here now. Where does forgiveness of sins come from? Read the verse. According to the riches of His grace. How do you get forgiven? You want to know one of the biggest problems with why people, listen to me, why people reject Christ and will not get saved? They cannot understand how God, that is so wonderful, merciful, loving, kind, holy, pure, I mean, they don't understand how somebody that good could love somebody so bad. But when God forgives you, it's not according to your sin. It's according to His grace. Throw us flip flop at somebody. I'm glad His grace is bigger than all my sin. The Bible said, Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. That means for every sin you committed, God's got ten buckets of grace. Verse number eight, wherein He hath abounded towards us. No wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He hath purposed in Himself in the dispensation of the fullness of times. He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in, on earth, even in Him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being, being predestinating, uh, uh, predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Look here, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Look here now, verse 13. In whom ye also trusted. Notice what this says. After that ye heard the word of truth. Can I say you can't get saved without preaching? You might not have been listening to preaching when you got saved, but the reason you got saved is because you'd listened to some preaching. How shall they hear without a preacher? It takes preaching to get saved. After, verse 13, that you hear the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, look here, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Days on, I've been working, told you, been working. From mom and dad doing heat and air work under the house. 
And somehow or another, these jars, and they somehow or another got up in the house, and they, they're full, plumb full of green beans. Them's from my mamma. She's dead and in heaven. And I don't know when she can, them jokers, but it's been a long time. You know what she died when she pressure cooked them green beans and put them in jars? She put the lid on them. She sealed them. You know what canning does. This generation don't know nothing about canning. The only canning we know of is cans of something at Walmart you heat up in the microwave. But I thank God for a little bit of the generation I've come up in my childhood. I had a mamma and papa and my mom and dad did a little bit of it at times too that would do canning. You know, you know why people can things? To preserve them. That means if, if something's sealed in a can, it will not spoil. It will not go bad, look here, or will not go lost. It cannot be lost because it's been preserved. You know what God did when He, when he uh, saved your soul and you were converted? He then sealed you. We just read it. By the Holy Ghost. He's on the inside and the pressure... I need y'all to act like you're independent, premillennial, dispensational, fundamental, blood-bought, born-again, hell-stomping, devil-hating, glorified, shouting Baptists on your way to heaven right here. Please, somebody, act say, when God saved you, He put the comforter, the seal of the Holy Ghost inside you. That's why when your old flesh wants to corrupt and go bad and go lost, if you will, the pressure of the seal keeps you from going too that's why the Bible said it, whom the Lord loveth he chasteneth and if you don't get chastened the Bible said and you're not chastised uh, and convicted then ye are no wise sons but you're bastards uh, because uh, listen, a child of God has a seal upon his soul oh you can go out in the far country you won't stay there I'm still so old timey in the way I believe I believe you'll either repent You'll return or God will relocate you from planet earth to heaven. I believe that. I believe that. God will give His children space of grace. If you won't get it right, He'll kill your tail before He lets you just sit down here and bring uh, shame to His name. Amen. There's been a many of folks right now shouting on the streets of glory that died an early death because they would not yield to the Holy Ghost. That seal that is within them. I don't know a whole lot about cattle, but one thing I know, there's different kinds of cattle. There's black Angus cattle. There's other cattle. It's all what I know. But I know this. <clears throat> Just like dogs. I, I, I dealt with dogs for a little bit, hunting dogs, coon dogs. And everything about a dog, everything about them cattle, you know where their value comes from? They all look the same. You can get 15 walker dogs and stack them up right here and you look at them, they all look the same. Where's the difference made? Stay with me. The bloodline. That's where their value comes from is the blood. Help somebody. And with those dogs, you're going to get papers. And so cattle, they don't do this with coon dogs, I don't think, but with cattle, what they'll do is they'll say, all right, this here is a 100%, 100% purebred black Angus cow. Here's the paperwork to prove it. And they say, okay, but I need to see one other thing before I buy this cow. What's that? I need to see it sealed. Yeah. They'll brand them cattle. 
When they brand them cattle, they put a mark on them. When they put a mark on that cow, you know what it says? Everything these papers say is on the inside is really on the inside. It is valuable not for what's on the outside. It looks the same as everybody else. May I say I've got same textured hair, same blue eyes, same colored skin as a dope addict somewhere uh, down the road cracked out is going to die and go to hell. I look the same on the outside, but my worth does not come from the flesh. It comes from the seal. It comes from the mark. I've been branded by the Holy Ghost on the inside. That's what makes me valuable to Him. Not what you see on the outside, but what you see on the inside. And so we're sealed unto the day of redemption. Isn't that a blessing? Look with me in Ephesians chapter number 2. I mean, I'm literally not even going to get a fraction of point one done tonight. That's okay. So that means next Wednesday we'll still be on point one. Look in Ephesians chapter two. This is nothing familiar. I've already quoted it, but I want you to read it. <coughs> Excuse me. I'll tell you what, let's all just read it from verse number one. Ephesians 2 1. The Bible said, And you hath he quickened who were dead. Stop. You read your Bible word by word, line by line, precept upon precept, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. Take it one word at a time. God makes no mistakes. Amen. Do we believe this Bible is infallible? That means every word in it is 100% true. Alright. If you know common English, you understand that the word were is past tense. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. When's he talking about? When were you dead? After you got saved and you, you got in a trespass or you committed a sin, did you die? Look at verse 2. Where in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had past tense our conversation in times past in the lust of our what? I need more than two of you to help me. The lust of our fulfilling the desire of the and of the mind and word by nature. That's the first birth. Help me somebody. Don't go Presbyterian on me when we get in the doctrine. This makes me want to shout more in the introduction. The Bible said right here, by nature, that's the first birth, were the children of wrath, even as others. Somebody, I'm telling you, hallelujah. Look at verse number four. Somebody help me. But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us. Look here. When? When did He love us? Even when we were past tense, dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. For by grace are you saved. He hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where's salvation come from? Jesus. Where's position seated in heavenly places come from? Jesus. If there's one thing you're never undoing on this side of eternity, it's the works of Christ. 
Verse 7, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Look here. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I like verse 11 and 12 too. Wherefore remember that in that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands that at that time ye were with at what time? When you only had one birth. When you were in the flesh, you realize that you've got a natural birth you're saved and a spiritual birth. This is all dealing with the natural birth, the flesh. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, when is now? That means when you go read that tomorrow, it's still going to be now. And when you go read that the next day, it's still going to be now. You go read that 25 years, somebody got to just get happy. When you go read that 25 years from now, it's still now. But now, in who? Christ Jesus. Ye who were sometimes, ye who were, ye who sometimes were, past tense, far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. So if I go outside here and get in a brawl and bust somebody's nose and break their window out, cuss them out, set their car on fire and shoot their dog and go to jail, does that mean I'm lost? No. That means the flesh is doing what the flesh has always done. That's the natural birth. That's the natural man. But the spiritual man has been birthed in Christ and its positions in Christ. It's sealed by Christ. It was saved by the blood of Christ. And you cannot undo the spiritual work of salvation. Look here, verse 14. For He is our peace. Y'all see the focus of Christianity? Imagine that. Christianity. The first word of Christianity is Christ. Christianity ought to focus on Christ. Somebody ought to wake up and shout hallelujah. For He is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us having abolished in His flesh the enmity, even the law, the commandment contained in the ordinances for to make in Himself of twain one new man Everybody see that? So making peace. And that he that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were past tense afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. I could stop. If that was all that was said about eternal security in this Bible, we could prove it. If that's the only thing that's said, but I've got 40-something verses up here. And there's more than that. I've got about 40-something that we'll look at throughout this first point. I'm fixing to stop on eternal security. What is one of the corruptions of the charismatics? The indoctrination of temporary salvation. That's why then people are worried and scared to death. 
You ever notice the charismatics, they're most of the time they look mean, hateful, and upset, and bothered? Well, I would be too if I was having to work every day in the world to go to heaven. They're working themselves to death. I mean, they can't just get in the flesh every now and then. I ain't saying use grace for the occasion of the flesh like Paul, but they can't do it without, I mean, we get condemned. How many of y'all slip up and cuss somebody when they pull out in front of you? All right, got one that's honest. Come on, somebody. That stupid blankety blank, that makes you feel better in your flesh. Then the Holy Ghost comes by and says, hey, 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 hey. Now, if you believe that blankety blank sent you to hell, you'd be mad as the devil all the time too. They ain't trying to renew fellowship all the time. They're trying to renew sonship. How do we get in? Salvation came first to the... Okay, then to the... Okay, so we were second in line. How do we get in? By grace. And the Bible said, wherefore and whereby we cry, Abba, Father, we were adopted. We were not the chosen, the first ones in line. We were adopted and grafted in. Anybody that knows anything about adoption, you know what you know? It's harder to undo adoption than it is anything. Adoption is a permanent thing. Somebody ought to shout. Anyhow, well, glory. The indoctrination of temporary salvation. We're sealed by the promise of God. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 4 quickly. I'm about done for tonight. Ephesians chapter 4. Man, there's so much. Let, let, let me say this. If you want to be doctrinally scripturally, dispensationally sound. You know where you need to start reading? You need to go and start reading Paul's epistles. Because Paul was the preacher God sent to the Gentile. That's where we get all the church doctrine come from. It comes from Paul's epistles. Start reading Romans, Acts, 1 Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, where he'd write them letters to them churches and establish doctrine. That's our doctrine. You want to get solid and you want to get sound, you need to read Paul's epistles. Look with me quickly. Ephesians 4. I want to look at uh, I want to look at something here. <laughs> Excuse me. I, there's so much here, man. I, I want to read. Look, look with me in uh, verse uh, 17. This I say therefore in testifying the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind having the understanding darkened being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them uh, because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all in cleanness with greediness but ye have not so learned Christ if so that you be uh, if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus we said that already right out of the gate. The truth's in Christ. Verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. Hello, the old man. When you get saved, there's an old man and a new man. It ain't the same. Amen. And when you sin, it's not the new man sinning. It's the old man. There's two of you. There's about 2,200 of you really. But there's two of you. It's a natural you and a spiritual you. According to the deceitful lust, verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness. Hello? What's proof that your new man, your soul, can't sin? 
Verse 24. Is everybody with me? Don't go so Sunday school that you quit scotching. Verse 24. You put on the new man. So in verse 23 or verse 22, we see there's an old man. In verse 24, there's a new man. And the Bible said the new man is this, which after God is created. Who created the new man? Who created the old man? No. Not God. Your parents. Everybody says, I thought we were born in the image of God. False. Adam and Eve were born in the image of God. Go to Genesis chapter number 5 and read their children. They were born in the image of Adam and Eve. It no longer says that mankind was born in the image of God at that point because they sinned. If we were born in the image of God, we would not be sinners. Adam and Eve was born in the image of God. They were not sinners until they sinned. And from then all mankind is born a sinner. That's the old man. The new man is created by God. The old man is created by flesh. We got them pictures today. I hope to God that nose ain't as big as it looks. But if it is, guess where it come from? The Jacksons. My mama's a Jackson. Ever Jackson? Jack, Jack, I'm about to cuss. Jacksons. Ever Jackson I know has a four foot wide nostril hole.